Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download. Hey everyone, welcome to Narrative Live. For three critical weeks beginning towards the end of February, the coronavirus could have been stopped, at least here in the United States. My investigation has revealed that Donald Trump not only knew about the scale of the oncoming pandemic, he knew about the severity and he knew the timetable of the virus's arrival on our shores. But beyond the classified briefings, by February 24th, everybody in the world knew coronavirus was going to be a global problem. But instead of putting America on a war footing, instead of preparing us for what's coming, Donald Trump did some really strange things. He started talking the virus down. He called it a hoax. He said there'd soon be a vaccine. He even said there'd soon be no patients in the United States with the virus. It took until March 13th for the administration to finally declare the coronavirus a national emergency. And five million within a month. 19 days after the stock market crashed. It's pretty clear the administration is not up to the task of fighting this pandemic. But what's not clear is why. Why did Donald Trump do all of this? Why did he ignore the advice of, of his advisors? Why did he decide to ignore the protocols that were set up by previous administrations to deal with the pandemic? Well, tonight, I think we have the beginnings of an answer as to why. And as with a lot of things to do with Donald Trump, it has to do with money. Mobsters love to scheme. Money laundering, extortion, tax evasion, stock running, you name it. If it's got a scheme in it, chances are mobsters are going to like doing it. And this is the world that Donald Trump was born into. It's the world that Donald Trump was raised in. You'll remember that Trump's father, Fred, was a money launderer for the Genovese and Gambino families. In the 1980s, when Donald Trump was his own boss, he moved to Manhattan, where again he started mixing up with other mobsters like Fat Tony Salerno. And if you think about it, Donald Trump only became president in 2016 through another scheme with another mobster, Vladimir Putin. So what does this have to do with the coronavirus? To understand, we have to go back to 1987. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the author of this book right here, Trump, The Art of the Deal, Donald Trump. Donald Trump was flying high. The New York City developer had amassed an impressive portfolio of properties when he made his first appearance on The David Letterman Show. Not too much, hopefully. How much, how much are you worth? In right reality, Trump was drowning in debt. According to analysis published last year in the New York Times, Trump was flat broke and would remain that way for the better part of a decade. To keep the wheels greased, Trump styled himself as something of a corporate raider. In 1987, he bought shares in United Airlines and started a rumor he was positioning to take over the company. The rumor set off a stock rally, and as the share price reached its peak, Trump sold his shares. More money from the casinos or more money in real estate development? Well, probably real estate. That stock play is actually a crime. It's called a pump and dump. Pumping up stock prices on rumors or fake news and then dumping the shares at the highest price. That's what I like. That's All right, now, now let's get back to the assessment of your wealth for a second. Trump made $55 million if you, from that well, stock I hate play. To disappoint, but I have zero idea. That we all know that Donald Trump is president was pretty much the same Donald Trump we saw in that clip. He likes a good scheme. He likes to make money off things. 
how else do you make sense of all these policies of his, like, you know, turning back environmental protections or extorting Ukrainian presidents? It's just, it's not something a president would do unless there's a paycheck or a reward or something on the other side. But for all of us, at least for me, I've always imagined this sort of a red line that when it comes to the safety and the health of Americans, no American president, even Donald Trump, even a guy with divided loyalties, would not subject the safety of Americans to some sort of scheme. But ever since the coronavirus hit our shores, I've been having my doubts about that red line. I think it's been crossed. Only two things can defeat the coronavirus, testing and vaccines. For successful testing, you need test sites and test kits. Three pharma companies are now approved to make those kits, Abbott, Roche, and Thermo Fisher. And it's believed that the source was actually a seafood market in Wuhan. It's been four months since the first suspected coronavirus case was identified in China. Nine weeks since Chinese scientists mapped out the genome of the virus. And two months since a German company developed the first coronavirus test. All of that happened before the first US person with coronavirus was diagnosed roughly eight weeks ago. Back then, Donald Trump was all about China. He praised President Xi's transparency and assured everyone it will work out well. For a minute, his administration even looked presidential. He declared a federal health emergency, launched a task force, and banned travel from China. Developed tests was only available in public health laboratories in the CDC. Then in February, the CDC stumbled badly after their coronavirus test turned out to be flawed. Health officials had a backup plan. An approved test from the World Health Organization was just a flight away. But the Trump administration rejected that. Instead of accepting the WHO tests, Trump did something truly bizarre. He went on a 25-day campaign, a media blitz of sorts, downplaying the severity of the coronavirus. The virus was not a threat, he said. It was just another Democratic Party hoax. What do you say to Americans who are concerned that you're not taking this seriously enough? That's CNN, fake news. The president say, for example, he's going to continue with, with political rallies. Is this sending the right message? Going to a rally? There's no reason that you shouldn't go. It's really working out. The president stop shaking hands. Uh, in our line of work, uh, you shake hands. No, I don't take responsibility at all, but it's something that we have tremendous control of. I How would you rate your response to this crisis? I'd read it at 10. This is a pandemic. I felt it was a pandemic long before it was called a pandemic. The media blitz was designed to contain any stock market crash, his advisors would later argue. It also coincided with a big deal. Thermo Fisher's $10 billion purchase of a German company who had developed a coronavirus test. I'd like to thank Thermo Fisher. The FDA's goal is to hopefully authorize the air application Within 24 hours, it'll go very quickly. It's going very quickly. Within just a few days of that deal being struck, Trump's FDA and BARDA gave Thermo Fisher and Kiagen fast-track approval of their tests. Trump also declared coronavirus a national emergency. So did you notice at the end there, Trump actually mentions Thermo Fisher by name. I'd like to thank Thermo Fisher and thanked them and mentioned that regulatory approval was just 24 hours away. And uh, maybe that's because Donald Trump was really close to the entire process of the Kia Gen sale to Thermo Fisher and their regulatory approval. And perhaps there's nothing wrong with that. Perhaps there's nothing wrong with the president of the United States facilitating regulatory approval for a much needed test for a coming um, pandemic. 
And we don't know if Donald Trump has any shares or will gain any benefit from Thermo Fisher or Kiergen. But we do know that Donald Trump owned shares in Thermo Fisher before becoming president. He says he sold them in 2017, but it's unclear if they're still held in one of his trusts. Also, the CEO of Thermo Fisher China was one of 20 US business leaders to attend a state banquet with Trump in China in 2017. And also this, Trump predicted that Thermo Fisher would submit a COVID-19, a coronavirus diagnosis test to the FDA, his FDA, days before it actually was submitted and approved. This year, the FDA's goal is to hopefully authorize the air application within 24 hours. It'll go very quickly. It's going very quickly. There is something that's really nagging about this. It seems that he waited for the deal to happen before taking any other action to stop the coronavirus. He had an entire CDC able to do a lot of work in trying to stop the virus, but he didn't really turn to them. He had the World Health Organization, which had developed a test that they would have sent us if we needed, but he didn't turn to them. He waited for the business, he waited for the market, he waited for the deal before taking any action. And unfortunately for everybody, that period of time, those 19 days we've been speaking about, those 19 days were probably the days that could have stopped this virus. Because it's on those days that we went from 15 coronavirus patients in the United States to over 2,000 in those short 19 days while he was coordinating a deal, while he was trying to get Thermo Fisher their approval. If we were going to stop the virus, it would have been at that period. All the studies show that. And in fact, if you look at what happened in South Korea, which basically got their first patient at the same time the United States did, they did rapid testing, they did contact tracing, they did everything they needed to do, and they were able to stop the virus from spreading. Our president was busy facilitating the deal because he's the art of the deal. And what you get from that is a president who paid no attention to the actual science, to the actual policy, to the actual things he could have done to plan ahead. There's an investigation now by a law firm that does this kind of investigating. Helper Sade announced that they are investigating whether the board of directors violated the federal securities law or breached their fiduciary duties by not obtaining the best possible price for Kiergen shareholders. In other words, did they sell too low? So there is some concern. There is some concern about whether Kiergen was sold at the right price for Thermo Fisher. And it really would be something if the President of the United States was making comments that could have changed the price uh, or even the, whether the deal would have happened at all, which may have been the case in this case. But we don't know. We're going to wait for an investigation because one needs that. And I have no idea what this president is doing behind the scenes in, in moving some of these stock prices up or down. We also don't know if the Koch brothers have any financial relationship with Donald Trump. It appears like they do. I mean, they benefit from his policies, that's for sure. Um, maybe there's a paycheck down the line for Donald Trump as well for everything he's done to further their uh, lobby interests. But we do know that there is a relationship between David Koch and Thermo Fisher. It's an indirect one, but it's definitely a relationship. Koch has a cancer foundation at MIT, and Tyler Jacks is the director of that institute. Jacks is a very, very respected scientist. I'm not suggesting there's anything untowards in any of the work he's done, although he is linked to David Koch. And it's interesting, 
that he is on the board of directors and the advisory board of Thermo Fisher, the very same company that just acquired Kiagen for $10 billion and then got very, very, very quick uh, regulatory approval through an emergency declaration by the president for their coronavirus test. The pandemic business, the coronavirus business, the uh, COVID-19 business is a massive multi-billion dollar business. And it's not just because it's about vaccines and treatments. There's testing, as we've discovered today. And then there's also a burgeoning surveillance sector where they're starting to surveil people's private cell phones to see the spread of viruses in real time. But just even in this testing phase, there's so much money to be made. In Thermo Fisher's case, let's take a look at what it would cost, say, the average Medicare company or patient to get one of those tests, $51. That's already $15 more than the old publicly available CDC test. So it's a bit of a markup that's going directly to the taxpayer. In addition, Thermo Fisher intends to make 5 million tests just this April. Now, that not, may not sound like a lot, but in fact, it's very little because they are likely to need to test the entire population of the United States. In fact, to test all 330 million people in the United States, it would take five years if they were only making five million tests a month. But even with five million tests being produced in April, they're already scheduled to make about $250 million just for one month. You know, calculate that over a year, it's $3 billion. Certainly a lot of money if you're an investor, if you're a Koch brother, if you're a president of the United States, whoever you might be, it seems like a pretty good business to get into where you know the demand will be high. Now, it's worth noting that at this time, Donald Trump was pretty active in joining some of the coronavirus task forces where it related to getting some of these pharma companies involved in the fight against coronavirus. In fact, on March 2nd, at one of these meetings with these pharma guys, he said, uh, We're going to be very successful. Uh, a lot of things are happening. A lot of very exciting things are happening. And they're happening very rapidly. That was on the 2nd of March. Now, guess what? On the 3rd of March is when Kiagen was sold to Thermo Fisher. And there was another deal, which I'm going to tell you about later in the show, involving a vaccine that was possibly at play at that, same, at that very same time on March the 3rd. It certainly seems like a lot of people could be getting rich off the coronavirus and the testing and the vaccine manufacturing and the treatment manufacturing. And we've certainly looked at the conflicts that Donald Trump may have had in the testing side. But there's the son-in-law, too. Let's take a look at how Jared Kushner might be benefiting off the coronavirus testing. Now let's talk about the other side of testing. You need safe sites where you can go and get tested at in a sterile environment without fear of getting infected with anything. My name is Emily, and I'm a member of the Project Baseline team at Verily. Increasing access to testing is a really important part of helping to stop the spread of COVID-19. This has largely been the purview of Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law. Kushner's whole thing is about using technology and innovation to solve big government's problems. And that's generally a very good idea. Except the company he's chosen to work with are mostly connected in one way or another to his brother Joshua Kushner and his company, Oscar. The first step is to complete an online screener based on guidelines from public health officials. So does Jared himself stand to profit from coronavirus? It sure looks like that. Jared used to own a big piece of Oscar. He says he's divested of it, but really there's no way of knowing if he's done that or not. And Oscar itself hasn't received any money yet from the government. So I've shown you how Donald Trump could be benefiting from Thermo Fisher's coronavirus tests and how Jared Kushner could be benefiting from the test sites 
where those tests are being administered or will be administered. But there's one other area where Donald Trump appears to be trying to close a deal, and that is the area of vaccines. On March the 2nd, Donald Trump invited leaders from the pharma sector in the United States and some of the leading vaccine manufacturers from around the world to a summit at the White House. One of those manufacturers was the CEO of a company called CureVac, which is a German-based company which is developing one of the world's most promising vaccine systems, one that could be very applicable to coronavirus. At that meeting, Trump is said to have tried to buy the vaccine the entire output of the vaccine for the exclusive use in America. The company itself, the White House and the CEO have all denied that any offer happened, but it's pretty clear something happened because he was fired, the CEO was fired just a week later and the EU stepped in with additional funding for the company. So other than kicking up a bit of a sandstorm with the German government, it appears that CureVac is not going to be providing its vaccine to any country exclusively, let alone the United States. But what we can tell from what was going on with CureVac and with Thermo Fisher and with Jared Kushner is that this White House has been so singularly focused on the deal, so singularly focused on working with the private sector for whatever benefit may be their own, that they neglected their number one job which is protecting the safety and security of Americans. For 19 days, the coronavirus could have been defeated. We know that because South Korea was able to do it and they got their first coronavirus patient the same day we did. They got to work right away doing what they needed to do, testing, contact tracing, and isolating coronavirus patients. Instead, our White House, our president, went to work chasing the next billion dollar deal. And that may have cost him that precious window where he could have defeated the coronavirus. Thanks for watching Narrative.